This is an Equity Beats Media podcast. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders past and present and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your Ingle Company Summer Series, a set of conversations where we are chatting to some of Australia's most relatable voices for their take on taboo money topics. Over eight weeks, we will be asking the money questions that may have recently been on your mind, but you haven't had the confidence to bring them up. Questions like, why am I putting so much pressure on myself financially right now? Or how do I tell my friends that sometimes I just can't keep up socially? We know firsthand that talking about money can be oh so awkward. And we want to acknowledge right off the top that there is a huge amount of privilege inherent in all of these conversations we'll be having. But we do think that the more open we are about money and the more perspectives we can gather, the better off our overall financial well-being will be. So, welcome to our Taboo Money Conversation series. I am Maddie Guest, and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host, Sophie Dicker. We hope that this episode gives you a catalyst to start your very own money chat. This series is brought to you by UP. As upsiders ourselves, we are super excited to be working with a brand that is aligned with our purpose of helping young people tackle their finances. UP is the first digital bank which is making money easy for our generation by giving us the tools to get our finances sorted and get what we want in life. And what I want right now is to chat to Ree about taboo money topics. Today we are joined by the incredible Rhiannon Joyce. Ree is the Marketing and Partnerships Director at Shameless Media and is an absolute powerhouse at what she does. As a good friend of ours, we knew she would be the perfect person to delve into the taboo with her openness and honesty. Welcome, Ray. Thanks for having me. So, Ray, we have been starting every episode with a would you rather question. Okay. And so I just come up with a great one for I you. I feel today. like I'm going to get stitched up here. <laughs> I'm like, what are things that Ray loves? <laughs> okay. Would you rather give up travel or eating out for the rest of your life? Oh, that is tough because I feel like you've really narrowed it down to a couple of things that I do love doing. <laughs> and when we say eating out, like, you can't even get takeaway from places. Like, you can't get breakfast, lunch, dinner. Okay. Wow. Yeah, no eating out. That's tricky. I, Interesting also because a big part for me of travel is the eating. So yeah. <laughs> maybe oh the God, eating isn't counted on the travel. <laughs> but then oh. you get both. I don't know. Anyway, don't think too much I about it. I <laughs> still feel like I would rather give up eating out. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just think the experience you gain from traveling is like no other. However, you mm. did say technically you can't eat out whilst you're traveling so that's a bit awkward but I feel like I can find other things to do you get like someone to buy the food for you and just bring it yeah back. there's, there's little loopholes you can do yeah oh my god that was a tough one that was hard what would you do so I think I would give up eating out because yeah. not being able to travel would be such a travesty like seeing the world mm. and like I you know like you could go traveling to do adventure things yeah also think about how much money you would actually save if you stopped eating out yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the alcohol side for me. Like, yeah. I just feel like so much money goes to drinks, and it kills yeah, me true, a little bit. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> Wait, can you go to a bar? Are you still allowed yeah, to go to a bar? Uh, yeah, as long as you don't know food. You're actually just not allowed to socialize. There's for the way rest too of your many life. loopholes that we're making work in this conversation already. <laughs> you can order fries with your drink. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that um, kind of shows that you'd probably prefer to spend on travel mm. experiences. Mm. experiences. I guess food is experience is true. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess a big part of growing up 
don't think growing up's the right word, getting older. Maturing. Is spending on social things, mm. spending on a lot of social things. And we wanted to chat to you today because we've had many a conversation around like expectations to spend in social groups, etc. But before we get into it, we want to ask like, how are you feeling around like your money situation right now or just like money in general? Yeah, I think for me, when it comes to money and how I feel about money ebbs and flows, and depending on like what time of year it is. And I think right now, if we're being mm. honest, it's, you know, in the thick of the holiday season, we're coming up, there's Christmas parties, there's engagement parties, weddings, all of that. Also coming off the back of, you know, a few outings and I, I'm like, oh, feeling the pinch a little bit yeah. in terms of where my money's going. I definitely feel like that week in, week out, I'm like, where is it going? Mm. So a little bit overwhelmed by that but I think it's the it's just the nature of this time of year for me but I feel like this year as a whole I did go to Europe this year which was quite a wonderful trip and my partner and I saved a lot to do that and I don't regret any of our spending habits whilst we were there we very much just lent into the euro lifestyle how much money would you have if you'd given up the, the travel rather than the eating yeah no I don't regret any of it but I would say in terms of like my saving habits this year not as strong as what they have been historically and I think that's just a reality of having you know chosen travel Mm. as a priority this year, more so than previous. Do you ever, like, this time of year, like, this question for both of you, Mm. do you ever, like, think about the social events that you have more and, like, try and budget a little bit more? Because I found myself being, Mm. like, I have a lot more on, like, during the week. Yeah. And so then I get a bit stressed about the fact that I have things on, like, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just because you'll have, like, work things and whatever else that I'll budget a lot more and it's kind of been eye-opening to be, like, oh, that's how much I'm actually going to spend. And sometimes it's honestly, like, half my paycheck or more going towards, like, social activities. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I would say that I'm getting very good at saying no to those midweek outings at the moment so that I have the money to be able to spend on, you know, even when you're going to a wedding, buying someone a present, usually at the moment it is a wishing well. Like I don't know many people that are doing physical gifts anymore. Mm. And then the money anxiety of like how much should I be putting in that wishing well, what's appropriate. Right now I feel like I'm definitely saying no to more of those midweek outings so that I have the money to, you know, be a bit more generous when it comes to gifting. (laughs) I'm so selfless. (laughs) (laughs) I think one thing that I'm struggling with at the moment is like, for example, I've got a friend's birthday coming Mm. up and like ideally, to be honest, I would be saying no to that. Hopefully they can't figure out who this is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, my birthday's in March. I'm good. I'm sweet. It's not mine. (laughs) The thing is though, right, is I don't like, I of course really want to go because they're my friend and I love them Mm. and I want to celebrate their birthday with them. But then the reality is, is like at this time of year, I've got so many outgoings and like another birthday lunch isn't as high on my list as some of the other things that I know I'm just going to have to spend money on, like family presence and things like that how are you going or feeling about like saying no to that how did you get to that point because I really struggle to say no I think we can pull it back a little bit from saying no entirely for you I think in that scenario it's maybe just reframing what does a good time and what does showing up for your friends in this situation actually look like like because Mm. it's a birthday it's Obviously, there's the expectation that as a good friend, you would be going. But maybe it's having a really candid or honest conversation with your friend about your situation or if you feel Mm. like you're a little bit strapped. 
having the confidence to say, hey, I'm only going to come for X amount of time or I'm coming but I'm not drinking. Yeah. And not having to feel like you, you need to elaborate a lot. But I think opening up that comms early on mm. makes it easier to then get to the point where you can flat out say no if that's something you then need to work through. But in that scenario, I feel like it might be hard to just straight yeah. off the bat be like no. So maybe, yeah, it's a different conversation. No, it is hard though. And I think even when you – and I could be jumping ahead here in terms of like having conversations mm. with friends about your finances and like the reality of certain situations because you know then someone will project their money expectations or their own experiences onto you and be like oh well you spent it on that or you're yes. you did this with your other friend and at the end of the day as I said before I think the money security and that that mental I guess money mental health ebbs and flows there's different yeah. it's not just constant for everyone so I think the more you're honest with your friends about that the easier it is to bridge into those conversations I actually have so much fear about that if I give the money excuse for one thing I worry that that person will then like look at my social media and be yeah. like oh but you're going out with those people but do you know why because we all do that I think yeah. I've done that before where someone said something and I've been like oh this is maybe coming from a place of like maturing yeah I don't I try and catch I'm my- not mature <laughs> no I just I try and catch myself when I do those things like those key moments where I can tell I'm projecting mm-hmm. I feel like I try and catch myself a bit better than what I would have when I was younger. Yeah. Because I am older than you at the end of the day. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> you are more mature. <laughs> and it's not even a maturity thing. It's an age thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I've got an awkward question then. How does that... A birthday, I think, mm. like a conversation can be had. How does this dynamic play out in like wedding season, yeah. et cetera? Mm. Because... In weddings at the moment, when I go to them, you've got a hen's party, mm-hmm. which costs a certain amount. And then it usually will cost more because it's like, you know, part of the nighttime or whatever. Then you've got a wedding present. You've got cost of, you know, as a female, getting dressed in clothes, makeup, hair, if you want to get that done. The wedding's Dynamic. out of town. You've got accommodation. Yes. Because <laughs> that's not just a conversation of like, I love you, but I can't come. Like, it's a that, that's a really weird and hard dynamic for people. Absolutely. The frustrating thing is I do think this is more of a conversation amongst women because of all those things that you just listed, the reality of feeling pressure like you have to wear a different outfit Mm. to every event, you know, getting your hair and makeup done, all of those added expenses that a lot of men just don't have. But then the reality of wedding culture at the moment is the expectation is pretty high in terms of what people are expected to do, spend when Mm. it comes to showing up for their friends. So I think for me, when it when it's come to wedding season this year, I'm going to be really honest. I've said no to a few bridal showers that I'm not that close. What's we, a bridal shower? Yeah, oh, it's so different to a hands. It's different to a hands. So we're running so bridal shower, hands, wedding. Is that the events? Is there any other events? So that is like the scale of what I think the events, the maximum number of events you would have okay. generally. Recovery. 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 You're right. <laughs> Recovery is just, yeah. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes the most fun, though, I will That's say That's my that. biggest spend. The recovery is probably the biggest spend. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I would say in total there's probably four, as a woman, there's four events that you could be invited to when it comes to someone in your life getting married. So hens, bridal shower, engagement party, and then the wedding itself. This and the season. recovery. <laughs> and the recovery five. Oh, my God, I can't count. Um, look, this season I was invited to – on two occasions, I was invited to both hens. Both had a hens. Both had a bridal shower. I said no to one of the hens for one and then yes to the bridal shower and then the opposite. So I said no to the hens and then the bridal shower. The reality of it was, one, I didn't have a free weekend to do everything, but yeah. two, 
it, it was just getting too expensive. Yeah, and there's also probably a dynamic there. If you've got bridal shower and a hens, like surely you can say yes to one or the other. I think it's appropriate to do that. And I also think it depends on how close you are with the person on both of these occasions. I would say they're my partner's friends, mm. partners. Yeah. So, you know, in this instance, I... I'm not super close with them as individuals. So I also felt like I could make that moral judgment to be like, I don't think you're really going to be personally offended yeah. if I'm here or not. Yeah. Obviously, some people might have different expectations, but mine, I was pretty clear that I didn't feel like it would make a difference if I was there or yeah. not. Yeah, and I think sometimes like those invites come through because people want to be inclusive. Mm, yeah, which is so lovely. Which is so nice, but I think by equal measure, like on the other side, what you're saying is completely fair enough. I feel like the more I'm saying no, the easier I'm finding it, I, yeah, I will right. admit. So I think you do have to practice that. It's like muscle memory. Yeah. And you can work out what your boundaries are. And then if it is someone that you're really close with, they'll give you feedback. That relationship is pretty open. So once you bridge into it, I think it's just having the time and the space to really communicate your boundaries and why maybe it's something that isn't right for you right now, but could be in the future and it not feeling like it's something you have to definitively live by. Do you know what I'm thinking about right now is I freak out about saying no to things, but I can't think of a time where someone has said no to something due to money and I've been like, upset or annoyed by it like I remember this is going a bit sidetracked but one psych session I had and I was like I just feel like I have to be there and my psych was like what makes you so special oh wow (laughs) (laughs) that's so humbling (laughs) the event can't go ahead if you're not there and I was like true (laughs) you know we we make it such a big thing in our head that we're saying no and actually no one really cares if you're there or not so where do we think like this expectation is coming from from like whether it comes from like a hands and having to do these elaborate crazy things I feel like in my personal life and I don't know if it's also in yours there's become this crazy expectation on spending Mm. almost to have a good time it's like you go out for these elaborate lunches or whatever else where is this like stemming from I don't want to flatten my answer but I think social media has a lot to do with it particularly in our demographic growing up with social media and that becoming people getting so much more access to your life and even your friendships and how you live your lives together you think about the type of content you put out on social media generally it is when you're socializing with your friends or you know you're doing things that are fun I think maybe subconsciously that's having an influence on it but I also think it depends on your friendship group I would say for me my friends and I enjoy going out we love going out for long lunches you know going to a little wine bar having a drink, naturally that translates to spending more money than, so, say, a group of friends who prefer doing activities outside or going on a hike or doing things that don't necessarily, you know, translate to spending money. Do you know what? I've actually found moving to Sydney kind of helpful because you can socialise by going to the beach for the day. Yeah, that's I'm a like, good the point. The beach is free. Yeah, yeah, we don't have that in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did go to the beach on Sunday. I'm from the Gold Coast originally, so I'm yeah. a beach girly. So I f- totally appreciate that. I feel like you can, you know, spend time with your friends without spending as much money. You can go. Yeah. Even then, you can still choose to go for a walk around the town and have a coffee and spend less. I think subconsciously, social media is driving that a lot more than what people realize. Yeah, it's like the the comparison thing. Because mm. you log on and you see people even on just like on TikTok or whatever, and you'll be like, oh, that looks really fun. Like maybe we should do that. Or like, you know, there's always been fed information to you every single day of like a new restaurant or a new activity or something. And so yeah. it's like, oh, I should try, like do that, invite people along. One thing that I've been thinking about quite a lot recently is the difference between spending my money on the now and like living my life mm. and particularly, you know, when – 
I'm so and I are both in our late 20s now. Like you start to feel like, oh, you've only got like so many more years of like the good life, which I also just, the more I've been thinking about it, I'm like reject. But I think there's this real p- sort of push and pull between spending money on your current self and enjoying life versus like saving for your future. Yeah. How have you been sort of weighing up those two things? I think for me, and I'm, go- I'm going to be really transparent about my situation because I think it is important. I was able to purchase an investment property when I was in my late 20s. So I think from memory, I was 28. Mm -hmm. I was able to save for a deposit because of COVID. And I don't think that would have been as much of a reality had I not been in an industry who was not impacted by, you know, job loss or even reduced hours during COVID. Like I work in podcasting and in media. So for me, it was quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. So had I not had that experience and had I not been living at home, I would not be in the position where I have an investment property. So I think for me, it's being honest about that and saying, you know, just because I'm 31 and I have that now isn't a result of me making financial choices where I was like counting my pennies, you know, where I was saving. And like, I know a lot of people who have had to do that. And I have a lot of friends right now who are incredibly successful and are finding it very difficult to enter the housing market because it's a different time and it's a different scenario. And it's only been two to three years. So Mm. I feel very lucky that I had that experience. But I think if I could give advice to you or to anyone who is feeling that pressure of be kinder to yourself, because the reality of it is, it is a very difficult living circumstance at the moment. We're in a very tricky period and I think people have so much pressure on having a home or having X amount of savings in their account for their future when the reality of it is you need to lean into the everyday moments of your life and have fun. I think obviously within your, within your means, mm. anytime you're bleeding into a space where you know maybe extending beyond your means is when you maybe need to step back and have a conversation and be like long-term, you know, what do I actually want? But I think just take the pressure off yourself feeling like you have to have it figured out. And also that like, oh, the next few, I only have a few more years. Like that is just simply not true. (laughs) And I felt like it took me to get to 28 to 29 to realise that. Yeah, I'm 31 now. I feel like the last two years coming into my 30s, I've realised that there isn't anywhere near as much pressure on me to have it figured out as what I did when I was 28. So life life doesn't end when you're 30. (laughs) We're all like getting to 30. We're like, oh no, it's going to happen. Then you turn 30 and nothing happens. But it's because our parents also had very different lives in terms of you know what their 20s and their 30s looked like like my mum was 32 when she had me and I'm I'm a twin but we're the last of four yeah (laughs) so you know they were living very different lives in a very different scenario so you know we've got to factor that in as well I want to continue the conversation around expectations but before we do we'll just take a quick break for our sponsors Maddie, you know very well that as we're getting older, I'm definitely starting to feel a little bit more pressure when it comes to purchasing a property. I feel you. Honestly, I don't know where to start. Like how much money will I actually need? Saving such a large deposit feels incredibly daunting and just like 
all the ins and outs of the property market. Okay, but positive spin, it's a new year and I feel like I need to reset my medium term goals and one of them is going to include property. And the reason why is because I've been using the Up Home Deposit Saver, which is kind of just like a savings account, but it's separate and it shows you like all the costs that you might not know about that are related to property like stamp duty. Well, we are sharing medium term goals, my friend, because honestly, I have been doing the same. I think Up has been helping me to feel much more inspired and like it is possible because they have all of these features. There's this whole home zone in the app and it shows you things like exactly how much you'll be eligible to borrow. Yeah, and have you seen that amazing feature of like the property slider and you can like see what type of property you can get with your income? Oh my God, I love it. I want that house that has a trampoline. <laughs> well, Maddie, when you find that dream home of yours with the trampoline, the home zone is great because it also has a super fast conditional pre-approval tool that it actually can use all your up spending insights from. God, it's just so smart. Up makes things so bloody easy. But what about Rachel? She's already got her home. Well, they also have a refinancing feature, which has all the tools you need. So they'll value your property, check your details, run a credit check, do all that stuff, validate your finances. And with such a strong rate, there really is only upside. I see what you did there. <laughs> Join us along with 750,000 other young Australians using Up, a digital bank which is making money easy for our generation and giving us the tools we need to get our finances sorted and get what we want in life. And if you download the Up app and sign up with the code YIGC, they will deposit $10 into your account. Easy money. T's and C's apply. Find them at up.com.au forward slash terms. Okay, so before the break, we were kind of talking about expectations in social circles and we kind of moved slowly into the property area. You mm. said that you had an investment property which you were able to save because of COVID. I wish I was in that mindset over COVID to be saving money like you were. Yeah, I think I saved up and then went to you. Yeah. <laughs> Save for your travel. <laughs> Do you think there's like a similar vein of thought around like there's a lot of expectations on people to be buying a property that they actually can't afford? Absolutely. I feel like people have this idea of what their first home needs to look like and that needs to be reframed. Mm. I could be speaking from a place of privilege here as well. Yeah. I mean, I think all of this conversation yeah. is from a place of privilege, but I guess what did it, what was that mindset for you when you were looking for a place? And I guess twofold, like were you influenced by other people and like how did you get yourself in the frame of like, mm. no, this is what I genuinely can afford? I I had a really interesting situation where people I, I was – I am still very close with like very important people who are whose opinions mattered to me in my life had a lot of opinions about my first home purchase and for me I was very adamant that I didn't want it to cause financial stress on my lifestyle and I really wanted to make sure that I could live a life if something was to happen and like thank god I did this but you know if interest rates were to change or I was to lose my job like I was really conservative about what I could afford in terms of buying a first home. And I think, you know, I have a little one-bedroom apartment with study in a, in a suburb of Melbourne. A lot of people had opinions about that being like, why are you buying a one-bedroom? You need to buy a two-bedroom for resale value, for all of these things. And true, like there are 100% reasons why that is a good investment and why you would opt for one over the other. However, I went to the bank and they said, you can borrow up to X amount 
And that scared me. Like I was genuinely scared that I could borrow up to such a large amount of money and feel like that was going to be weighing over me for the rest of my life or even just for the little period that I wanted to buy this investment property for. I was nervous about that. So I think for me, it was just managing my own expectations around what was I genuinely comfortable spending on a home loan every month. And if something was to happen to me, how would I be able to make this work? And would I feel an excess of stress if I didn't? So I had that conversation with myself and with a lot of like my dad was very vocal in this whole experience. <laughs> I was trying to be more. Dads are. They're like, I know <sighs> everything. <laughs> and look, he knows a lot and he, you know, I value his opinion, but in this scenario, I had to kind of block him out a bit because he also didn't really understand the value of me wanting to live my life. I think he couldn't really understand it sounds heavy, but I, he was like, well, just stop doing this entirely. Like, stop going yeah. out with your friends or stop. You need to own a car. And I was like, I don't need to own a car. Like, I live in the inner suburbs of Melbourne. My friends all live around me. I work really close to work. Like, there were other decisions that I had made that I felt fed into that per- property purchase that he wasn't really grasping. Mm. And I think I just had to accept that we had different expectations around what I should be spending at the end of the day my money on, um, you know. So I feel like I really had to work hard on shutting shutting. Shutting dad out. <laughs> it's super interesting though because my one of the questions I did want to ask was like, have you been feeling the pinch or how has the interest rate mm. rises been sort of affecting you? But it sounds like because I think when I consider going to the bank to talk about mortgage and, you know, some of the conversations I've had with friends, which to be fair is not that many, but it's like there's kind of this idea that you borrow as much as you can. Like how much can you possibly get, like max out that loan? And from what I've kind of heard from my parents, it's like get as much as you can and then work really hard and like scrape through to pay it off and then it will be worth it Mm. in a few years because like the value will go up by so much. And it's like this is kind of the narrative in my head. So it's really actually quite different to hear that you're like, oh, no, like they'll give me this much but I don't want it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, that's exactly what happened. Essentially, I was like, "Oh my god, I do not want to." My my pe- my dad was literally like, "Just borrow as much as you can." Yeah, and I saw that amount, and I was like, ah. "Like it's just like <laughs> it genuinely <laughs> just was like, I just want to live my life." And I think yeah. at the end of the day, that was really important to me. And at the end of the day, I also wanted to live in my property. I went through the first home buyers grant, so you, I have to live in my apartment for the first twelve months. That was the expectation. So I really wanted to spend that time like nurturing it, making it a home. I loved where I lived as well, and I really didn't want to compromise that. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I wanted to live in the suburb that I was renting in, and for me to be able to do that, I also had to compromise. You know how much I was spending, but also the location as well. Like if you want to live in the inner suburbs of a city, it's generally going to be more expensive than if you want to purchase a home that's out in the suburbs. And there are many different reasons as to why people make those choices. But for me, I chose to live in the place that I was renting. Mm. So I also had to factor that into the equation. I think right now, to come back to your question, I think I don't know if it was a question, question or more just a statement. More of, of a like- statement, but, you know, in terms of, like, feeling the pinch, I think everyone is in a different way. I think for me, I don't want to be arrogant, but I think that decision to be conservative has served me well in the short term. And, you know, what's to say long term it might? I, I don't know. Yeah. At the end of the day, I made that call. That's the choice. And right now I feel confident and good about it. That might change if I ever, you know, want to sell. And then the resale is not as strong. And dad's like, I told you so. And it's like, <laughs> but that's fine. Like, it's okay. Yeah. I think you can't just take on everyone else's expectations. You have to be, you know, strong and confident in yours. So I'm just leaning, I'm leaning into that at the moment. 
how did you go about, I guess, educating yourself on all of this? Mm. Because I think it is hard when you've got people around you giving their opinions to be able to do exactly what you've done and say, yep. no, this is what I want to do. This is what I feel comfortable with. For me, it was doing a lot of research and leaning into the experts. I think when it comes to these sort of things, people have opinions about everything. So it Mm. is easy to be distracted and easy to, you know, align with someone's opinion who you feel subjectively is probably more aligned with what you want. To be specific with what I did, I I just wrote everything down that I really wanted and what was important to me. I considered the financial risk. I made that decision talking to industry experts, but then also talking to people I care about and then created like this perfect Venn diagram (laughs) and made a decision. But at the end of the day, like no decision is perfect. So I feel like I just did what I could and with the information that I had and speaking to experts and that mix of people in my life that I valued their opinion and then just went from there. Mm. I feel like it's such a good positive spin on the narrative that like you've described in the fact that we're all told that we need to have like certain houses and buying mm. like certain things because even like around the workplace at the moment I've got like a group of girlfriends who are all like heading into their 30s and they're like oh like why don't we have properties and like they turn to me because of the podcast and I'm like <laughs> babes I'm so far away from property yeah but when they describe their the the property that they want to be living in, it's like they want to be living in bloody like Fitzroy Terrace houses, which, you know, Mm. these days are like $2 million. And I'm like, Mm. well, of course you feel stressed about even thinking about starting with a property because I don't even think like, I don't know if you guys are the same, maybe you're a bit different because you own something, but I look at $2 million and I can't even, I can't fathom it. Mm. As in like, or a million dollars, like I can't fathom all the zeros and like having to pay all those zeros back when my bank account is not that many zeros kind of thing. I think you quickly realise that a lot of people's bank accounts aren't. Yeah. That's the other. That's the reality of it. Yes. It's just that we're sold a bit of a dream. Yeah. That, like our parents were able to buy these properties in inner suburbs and mm. they weren't, obviously they weren't the same amount. I think it's something like a house used to be four times the amount of someone's salary and now it's 25 times. You're looking mm. to me for validation and I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a fact we've Sounds used before. Right. But it is like it's that same element of comparison. Like we look, we talked about like babies with mum and our parents or whatever, but it's the same with houses. Like my parents bought a house in inner Melbourne when they had one child already. Mm. So they were already paying for a child and they bought a house in, and they were fine. And I'm like, why can't I do that? Yeah. So it may, I think that's where the external pressure comes on. Absolutely. Just different benchmarks. Mm. But, yeah, the conversation with friends, <laughs> it's so funny. It's, I feel like even when you were younger, you're like, it's, I, I blame, like, Barbie, like, Barbie's dream house. Like, it's like, that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not a thing. I yeah. always go on, like, architecture sites oh, on yeah. Instagram. I'm obsessed with them and I'm always like, yeah. who owns this house? Like, what is your job? So it sounds like, you know, you've got your investment property and you feel, like, slightly set up with mm-hmm. that. Um you know, you're trying to work Slightly out. Slightly your... set up. <laughs> I mean, we'll set up and then also. I feel secure. That's you probably, feel secure. Yeah. You feel secure. What, when you think about like the future, what do you think would you consider like as enough in monetary terms? Mm. Do you have an outlook on what your future should look like and what you'd be like content with? Or like, are you sitting at that point now? I feel very content right now. I think I'm very comfortable with my life right now. I'm also you know, not ho- I'm hoping not to transition into that next phase of my life in terms of like having children and that puts, you know, other financial pressure on you, but also the expectation of having a bigger place and whatnot. I don't feel like that's in my immediate future. So that's not, you know, something that is weighing on me. When it comes to looking at the future and when I feel like I'll be at a place where it's enough. I think that ties more to my salary and more to where I am at in my career. 
compared to housing or, you know, having a certain amount of money in my bank account. I think I hold a lot of weight and value in my job. Yeah. And I think I have very clear expectations of where I want to be. So I think that's what I'm measuring measuring it off. So I guess in your mind, is that like a dollar figure that you want to get to or is it, and is that in salary or in your bank account or like, and mm. not asking you to tell us, I mean, if you want to tell us a figure, that's fine. <laughs> but like, <laughs> is, you know, when you say that's more what you're basing it off. It's definitely based off a salary. I think in my career in general and what I'm doing in, in work, I feel like I, I have a clear trajectory of what I want to achieve. So I think that truthfully is tied to salary Yeah, more so than what's in my bank account. I also think I have a partner. We have a shared bank account. I have my own individual bank account. But yeah, I don't know if that sounds bad that I care about the salary, but no. I do. I think it's like I was listening to Stephen Bartlett's podcast with a guy who wrote the book um, Psychology of Money and he was saying like a lot of what he's found in a lot of his research is what people consider enough is independence. Yeah. So to feel like you have enough is that you can independently every day be like, I am doing what I love or I can choose not to go to work or I can choose to raise my family, I can choose to start a business and that's where the concept of enough comes from. And sometimes, so you're saying it's a salary, but it might be for someone that they have a figure in their investments or their savings account which they know that's enough so that I can – you know, do whatever I want to do. Yeah. And it comes down to that question of like, you know, when people say like if my, if you won the lottery tomorrow for like, I don't know, $10 million, what would you be doing? And it's like it really actually comes down to people being like, oh, I'd have the independence to choose and that's what they would consider The freedom. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me definitely the salary piece ties to where I see myself being in my career. I'm very career motivated. I'm very driven. I have a very clear goal of like what I want to achieve. The salary forms part of that, but at the end of the day, I think what you get is that freedom and flexibility of being in that position where you can make decisions about when you want to go on break or, you know, how your day looks and the flexibility of your day. I think that those freedoms, they all tie to that. So I guess maybe if we take a few steps back, if we go a few years back, have you felt like this for a while in terms of like you're feeling content and secure in your position or is this something you've gotten to more recently what was the kind of road to getting there, do you think, for mm. those who maybe feel like they're not there at the moment? <laughs> Maddie's like, <laughs> me. How do I get to this? I think, I mean, the gift of hindsight, you know, mm. you can look back and I can see those moments where I was stressed or I was uncertain. And generally it was when I was in the thick of it. Like obviously when I was going through that process of buying a home and doing that on my own, it was super stressful. And that experience was really hard. But now I look back on that and I'm like, obviously, I wouldn't change it for the world. Like, yeah. But I think there is just a point where you have to be really clear and evaluate what you actually want. And I think the more you're honest with that and the more you practice those exercises, the easier it is for you to work out when your your attention's shifting or you're feeling a little bit more confused about your direction. I think if you have a clear understanding of what your values are and what your intentions are, it makes you e- it easy to bring you back there. And sometimes I know people laugh at this, but the physical practice of writing things down and having that as like a visual cue or a constant reference for you to come back to is really powerful. And just little things like that, I think make a big difference. But also just knowing that just because it's hard right now doesn't mean it's always going to be hard. Mm. So just be kind to yourself. I know that sounds a bit lofty, but... No, it's good. 
That's the truth. More kindness. I feel like we're going to look in Ray's bag and she's going to have a little book that's like $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just dollar signs. Yeah. <laughs> we find out what your dream salary is because oh, you just keep writing it down. Yeah. Like, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's just, oh, yeah. Well, Ray, I think we could have spoken to you we could speak to you all day, all night, over drinks, over eating out. Anytime. <laughs> um, last question. How much do you give uh, for wedding presents? Ah! <laughs> okay, so we have a really good formula, my partner and I, depending, assuming that both of us are being invited to the wedding. So we have like a 70-30 split. So whoever's ah. closest with the person has to give 70% and then the other has to give 30. So. Okay, so what will you be giving? <laughs> What's the split for Sophie and Sam's future oh, wedding? Well, very, very good friends <laughs> of ours. Be very good friends of ours, so definitely 50-50. Okay. Um, I actually feel like Sophie and I could end up being the 70-30. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out, boys. We're coming for your friendship. No, but I think we have this conversation a lot in the office. Generally, we're sitting between 150 to 200 per person which is quite generous, I will acknowledge, but I have also only been to weddings really of people who my partner and I are very close with, either he's very close with or I'm very close with. So I feel like mm. we're definitely on the higher end. Yeah. But, yeah, factor in that 70-30 as you I like do it. your quick maths. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, Ray, thank you very much for joining us. I feel like lots of aspirational content for me Oh, God, today. I hope so. <laughs> and I'll be going away and definitely writing down my values to yeah. make sure that my spending is aligned. So thank you very much. No, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. I actually don't want it to end. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep going. Well, that wraps up another Taboo Money Chat. Love, Ray. She's great, isn't she? She's great. But that doesn't mean the conversation needs to end here. No, it doesn't. We want your thoughts. How much do you spend on wedding presents? We, we need to actually start a big poll around this <laughs> so people can get like a full market map of like what, <laughs> what we're spending. Have you also been feeling this sense of like expectation on yourself that you need to be achieving certain milestones before you hit a certain age? I hope that a lot of people say yes to that so that we feel a bit better about that one. <laughs> I'm sure they will. We can't be the only ones shoot us an email to yigc at equitymates.com or dm us at yigc podcast and we'll be collating your thoughts anonymously of course in our brand new weekly newsletter yay you can sign up by the link in our show notes and whilst you're on your phone why not download australia's highest rated banking app this episode was brought to you by up the bank making dealing with money easy for our generation and if you download and sign up using the code yigc they are going to deposit ten dollars into your bank account t's and c's apply find them at up.com.au you have been listening to an equity mates media production in the spirit of reconciliation equity mates media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout australia and their connections to land sea and community we pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all aboriginal and torres strait islander peoples today this podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.